the thing just rolls. So don't be worry. yourself. Be yourself. Don't worry and just let let it happen. Uh, my my only question is, um, <laughs> uh, are we going to focus on eras? You'll see. Okay, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> there is no. Yeah, just it is what it is. Yeah. yeah. We're going to focus on what we focus on. Oh, because I can lock in. Yeah, so. Yeah, I'm just saying. We're going to yeah. focus on what we focus on. I think we want to, um, yeah, we want to focus on what we focus on, and we'll see where it takes us. All, All right. right. Sure. All right. This is Paisley Nights, and we are chronicling the days of wild. My name is Mark Bondi, here with my co-host, DJ WD. And we are talking about Paisley Park, telling the stories of Paisley Park, and Prince would have parties, and he would just announce these things, sometimes on his website, sometimes with a tweet, sometimes he'd tell a couple folks, and they'd tell a couple folks, and phone chains would happen, and all of a sudden... We were, we were out at Paisley Park doing our thing, right? So there's all kinds of parties, all kinds of concerts, all kinds of stories. And we're not really here talking to like famous folks. We're here talking to everyday people who participated in the scene, lived in Minneapolis or came to Minneapolis to participate in it. And we want to put those stories on wax, get them out, and, and share uh, the wonders and the joys of uh, this experience. So... We're back at it one more time and again. You ready, D? I'm ready. It's, it's going to be another uh, fun episode we have tonight with us. Uh, Rich Benson. What's happening, Rich? Not much. How are you doing? We are fantastic. You are here. You ready to roll on this thing? I'm ready. You know anything about Prince? A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Just from age six on. Just from age six on. So, yeah. so is six your earliest experience kind of remembering Prince? Yeah. Little Red Corvette uh, came on the radio. Um early mtv video you know just uh, uh exposure to um just radio in a small town and that's the only thing that i i heard on repeat all the time where'd and you grow up between la crescent minnesota southeastern minnesota and um uh, lacrosse wisconsin area just along you know banks of mississippi how far is that from minneapolis a couple hours two and a half hours away so did you know when you're listening to little red corvette or thereabouts that prince was from the same state as you is it, are you in wisconsin or are you in minnesota at that time uh i was still in in wisconsin uh, in uh, minnesota Okay, so you live in Minnesota, mm-hmm. and you're a couple hours away from yeah. where this guy's recording music. Like, did it stick with you? Like, did this dude was from your state. Did it you never, know that? It never dawned on me until after Purple Rain. Really? That okay. He was actually a Minneapolis. You know, because did you visit race. Minneapolis as a kid then from yeah. this little town? I was uh, in karate. I used to uh, actually come up to Minneapolis for a variety of schools. Um, it's starting at age six through about 16. I was in karate and I would I'd go to tournaments and never knowing that I'm crossing the same highways that he rode his 
you know, motorcycle yeah. or whatever car yeah. you might have had at that time. And but you were into them at this point oh, in your life. I, like, so you hear yeah. a little red Corvette mm-hmm. and you're like, I'm on the Prince train or I, how did that, how did that kind of progress? Even as a curious six year old, I was reading into the lyrics and the, the metaphors and, and, and wondering what this is about, you know, what he's about and how he can get away with such a cool sound when there's nothing else in the radio quite like it. So did you, you realize at a pretty early age that this thing was unique? Absolutely. And I, you know, here I am growing up on country music from being a truck driver's son all across the country and hearing the good country from the 60s and 70s. Tell, tell me what good country is. Uh, I'm a city boy. I yeah. don't know what good country is, um, man. At the time, everything from George Strait to uh, Alabama to Kenny Rogers to the Mandrell. The classics. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, hearing those voices on the radio in eight tracks cassettes. Every yeah. time we went to a truck stop, we would pick up new music. My dad gave me the opportunity yeah. to do that. So I grew up. How much up on, time were you on the road? Oh, um, out of from age two on through sixteen, probably total um, maybe a hundred thousand, a couple hundred thousand miles that I've crossed the country. Wow! And yeah. I mean, you're growing up on the good country classics. Yeah, every and, state. You, and you got the good country mm-hmm. classics rolling on the one side, and on the other side, out of your radio is coming Prince, which is completely opposite from what I was used to, and it was a good change. But you know, also in the same time, in those early '80s, with Michael uh, coming across and and raised up on a little bit of uh his music and being curious about when thriller came into my because who was it too yeah everybody liked michael jackson yeah. we talk about michael jackson yeah. a lot on this podcast that's good you know because like mm-hmm. it's kind of that same especially for folks that mm-hmm. were like getting into prince yeah. in 83 84 like mm-hmm. michael and prince are kind of like there's like this connection in that early 80s time frame and then not connected at all either uh there was they're he they're drawing the fans because of certain audiences, but they completely sounded entirely different. Yeah, if and, you if you've been listening to the podcast, yeah. I mean, you can go back and I have a whole story where I actually was Michael Jackson <laughs> once. So <laughs> true, story. true story. True <laughs> story. He was. Um, so Prince is coming through. You're mm-hmm. into 1999. When, when do you get your first album of Prince? It had had have been uh, Purple Rain finally, and I, I had no idea that. Um, what I was looking for, where what album Little Red Corvette was on. But I just remember it being repeated um, as the only thing they really played. And I did hear 1999, but I didn't know it was him. Okay, because it, it sounded different. But you wanted, you wanted yeah. immediately, you were like, I want more of this Little Red Corvette. Something. Yeah. Alabama and mm-hmm. Travis need to take the back seat yeah, for yeah, a exactly. second. Yeah, yeah we, we need, we need <laughs> yeah. the sound. Get in the I back, would... back of the pickup, Prince is driving. So <laughs> as you're going through those years, you mm-hmm. get Purple Rain, mm-hmm. and then you do kind of keep buying album after album. Are you, you know, like tracking it like that? Or yeah. when do you start tracking it like that? It was It's hard to know because, you know, from, from going to each truck stop in every, every state in America that my dad allowed me to get one or two albums per per trip. And on my own, you'd give me some cash, and I would come back with almost every single time, um, you know, country music. But that was fine. That's what I knew. And I love the ballads. I love the lyrical content. I love the songwriting aspect of it, too. And I could get into everything that that artist was talking about. And I love the the rock ballads as well. They're more of the mid-80s that came later, but and the hair bands and all that. But... When I when I realized what Prince was 
creating at that time and not knowing again that he's from only a couple hours away from where I grew up that it just piqued curiosity I had to do my homework on this guy yeah you like the storytelling though yeah so as as you grow up when when's the first time you see him live that didn't come until the Jam of the Year tour in 1997, uh, December at Target Center. Okay. Yeah, yeah we, we were at that gig. Did you go to the first gig or the second gig? I believe it was the second night. Okay. And I had a nosebleed ticket, and I went with uh, one of my best friends at the time and, and two ladies that we worked with at a restaurant. Nice. Yeah, Dustin and I were in the eighth row. Oh. <laughs> That's that's too bad. <laughs> Sorry about it. Sorry yeah. about that. Sorry about that. I mean, that was one of the mm-hmm. grandest mm-hmm. entrances to a performance. Like like when he came into the Target Center and those green lights are rolling behind mm-hmm. him, he's got the sunglasses mm-hmm. and it was this deafening sound in that building like mm-hmm. our boy is back. <laughs> we are doing this thing, right? And I, I recall didn't he have the the beautiful pan- piano set up? Oh yeah. Yeah. Was it the blue one? Yeah, it was the blue one with beautiful around it, and he would dance mm-hmm. on that. Dance on one, that. And like, mm-hmm. essentially he'd come out, and it was like um, the second song was Dancing Loud and saying, Ain't Saying Nothing. And then he talking would, loud. Talking loud ain't saying yeah. nothing. James Brown. And like he would just come out and mm-hmm. just rip that thing. And he oh, did yeah. the same beginning the first two nights in a row, and it was just like, Wow. Yeah, here yeah. we go. So you're in the nosebleeds. You're watching the show. Yeah. And was it everything you – expected it would be are you, are you living in minneapolis or at this time i was six months away from moving um where were you living at the time at the time i was uh, going to college uh, second year of college in La Crosse, wisconsin okay what are you studying at that time it was dietitian okay, degree so, so, so you're not down the music path or no. anything like that you're you're, you're going to be a dietitian yeah and the, the ironic thing is that i looked into music schools and i found out that music tech that was downtown um on third and washington uh, had a recording engineering degree. Yeah. And so I was looking for it. I, I needed a reason to get out. And I. Out of dietitian that, school? Exactly. Lacrosse? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and I. That was the last semester that I was there, pretty much. But I was, I was saving money. I had to be a part of Minneapolis. And when. What was drawing you to Minneapolis? Him. Really? Yeah. So I, it was no. like, I want to be in mm-hmm. Minneapolis because I am into Prince like this. Because, because, yeah. like, so your high school years, are you yeah. into Prince? Are you buying oh. all the albums? Like, secretly, like, yes. W- secretly. Yeah. Why, why, was, why aren't you talking about this with your homies? So many of my friends were too much into the grunge and, and all of the the bands that were coming out that were safe rock and alternative. And, and every time that I even, it was a whiff of um, maybe a uh, Prince song, they're like, turn it. And I said, "What's your problem?" You know. Yeah. So you're a silent Prince fan, like you got like to. this, like you, it was like you, you could, you yeah. could not survive in your I world without no. being a closet Prince fan. Like you couldn't like come out as like the true rich that we oh, see today. Not at all. I had to take drives on my own after midnight, popping in. You know, whether any album that was ready to drop. I, the night that I got it, I had to be at the record store. So you're, I mean, yeah. you're that level though. You like, you know, oh. when the album's yeah. coming, you're gonna get it. Did you have mm-hmm. anybody in the universe that you were sharing this experience with at the time? Not a single soul. And- so you're, 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 you're really a Prince fanatic. You're getting drawn to Minneapolis mm-hmm. by the man himself. You're like, I gotta get to the city, mm-hmm. and you have no Prince crew. Not at all. And you I, can't tell anyone you're moving to Minneapolis because Prince is there. you got to be like... <laughs> yeah, what was your I'm story? Gonna... <laughs> what was your story that you told people? Good point. Yeah. Uh, I said I, I need to go to uh, recording engineering school because I want to work in the music scene. I yeah. hear it's very big there. Yeah. 
and I and I had been to First Avenue. Um, Who'd maybe, you see there? I don't remember. Okay. It was, it but was, you've been there. You yeah. and you obviously knew it from Purple Rain and. Yeah, it was probably early mid '90s. I, I I don't recall the band, but it was before it was anything that um, I knew a lot of Prince connection to. Yeah, and um, there's always rumors that they said that he owned clubs, and you know when they were talking about glam slam i missed those days um and the rumor of him possibly owning other you know properties or having ties and and i said i i want to find this out for myself yeah, i'm gonna wanted, go blind you wanted to see it so you yeah. your plan was i'm gonna go to recording school i'm getting drawn to minneapolis mm-hmm. because of prince you can't tell anybody that like family friends uh, nobody in the universe Nope. That you're just telling him I'm coming to Minneapolis, <laughs> but your secret agenda is I want to get work close for him. to work for him. Yeah, oh, that shit. that was the goal because recording engineering. I knew the people that actually taught at that school had worked with him in, on production with within choreography, videos, costume making, uh, you name it, um, and all the programs that they had there. Um, I met every person that was the liaison for that department and I had to find out what was going to be the best fit. And I remember the first time that I went up there, I sat down with a guy and he had this huge Miles Davis, uh, mural painting on the wall that was a piece of sheetrock. And, and I don't remember the, the album, um, offhand, but it drew me in that this guy knew his music as well, because I knew just enough of Miles Davis to know that it was con- that Prince admired him. And so when he sat down and he said, you know, if you want to talk about real experiences, this gentleman over here had worked with him in production on Purple Rain. He worked with him on Under the Cherry Moon and this and that. And this is like your, is this before you've registered or is this like once you've started school there? This is before I uh, said yes. Yeah, and, but that got you yeah. on. You're like, heck I yeah, said, I'm saying yeah. yes. These dudes got mm-hmm. all kinds of stories. Where do I sign? Take my money. <laughs> take my money. I'm exactly. going to the bank. I'm going to get me a loan. So, yeah. you, so you're, you're here and you come to Target Center to see the show. And this yeah. is six months prior. Mm-hmm. And once you see the show, it just confirms all things yep. of many. I decided that night that I I had months to make a decision, yeah, and uh, that I was moving in the summer of 1998. Who you go to the show with? I went with a friend named Eric and uh, two ladies that I do not recall. Yeah, but did, anymore, they, did yeah. you know them from any Prince thing at that point? Were you connecting online not, socially with people, not or at all, just no. hey, was, the show's coming, we're gonna go? I was in no chat groups whatsoever. Okay. Um, I I heard of them out there. Yeah. But, you know, this this whole experience is going to be my solo experience yeah. because I needed, needed yeah. it to be. So you're on the journey. Do you have any, like, kind of what, – what's your what's your uh, biggest impression from that first night at the Target Center? Uh, damn, he can fill an arena. <laughs> and this is thousands of people that I've never – the only – bigger concert that i've ever been to was in 1994 camp randall with pink floyd that was a hundred thousand strong yeah and that's an entirely different genre yeah you know yeah so you're just like this place is packed and it's and it's not Mm -hmm. like packed and like people are just twiddling their thumbs like the energy's high crazy cool people too and i and some weirdos man exactly and (laughs) to speak to that um, I felt very underdressed, but I looked around and I saw a few few men that were dressed to the nines with ladies that were wearing barely nothing. Yeah. And I said, if this is Minneapolis, 
I gotta move. Yeah, and it, <laughs> if these are the people that go to Prince concerts, I gotta go to Paisley yeah, Park. Yeah, I gotta so. get to some more concerts now. Did you go mm-hmm. to Paisley Park for the after party? I didn't know about that. I heard the guy over the PA at the end oh, announce. That. Yep. But my friend said we gotta get back home. We we have to get. You were leaving that night. Yeah, we we drove straight back. You know, drove to, in for the concert, see the yep. concert, leave. Well, yep. Probably safety first, you know, because dude, that yeah. concert at Paisley Park went a little long. And yeah, <laughs> and we we had no plans for even a Motel Six or anything. Yeah, like so that, you, you just know, were in and out down, down the road. Yeah. So you moved to Minneapolis. It would have been mm-hmm. summer of 1998. Oh uh, yeah, and you pulled June. the trigger June of 98. Yep. Yeah. You moved to Minneapolis, and you're here solo at this point. Like you, yeah. no crew. Uh, actually, I had an apartment briefly for six months. On a lease, I was going to share with another gentleman that from I worked at Best Buy um, for a couple of years back in the cross, and he was trying to get a job somewhere in in the cities. He he paid his half of his lease, but he only showed up like in hindsight maybe two weekends out of six months nice inside the entire right place there. by myself but i was i was located <laughs> right off the front of road of highway 100 um a mile or two away from uptown okay so and, you and, and and so you're you move into town mm-hmm. and then i mean you know prince is here prince is bringing you into the city you'd seen him i'm guessing yeah. you hadn't seen him before the time you moved you just saw that one show at yeah. the target center that was it so then what what, what was the mm-hmm. next show uh the night that he played the war and that was my first Paisley Park experience. That's a crazy first Paisley Park experience. Your second Prince show is The War. We, yeah. we, we've talked yeah, we about, were there. Yeah, yeah, we were there. We, we, we've <laughs> talked about it a few times on this podcast. Mm-hmm. When I say, say a few, we talk about The War. Mm-hmm. Every podcast, it's going to be our thing. Um, I kind of stumbled upon showing up. I, I'd heard you know, that you might either look for cars in the parking lot or in the side street. Back then, you can park in Audubon Road. So you didn't know something was happening. You just rolled out the page. I rolled out there. Now, when, had, had yeah. you rolled out there before? Like, had you been going out there on various nights yeah, to see if be, something was going to happen? Because when um, the school had told me, got, gave me the address, um, that's what I asked for. It was like the second question. First question is, who here worked with Prince? Second one, how do I get there? You know, <laughs> and um, they gave me the address, and back then, a good old Atlas map came in handy. You know, and um, I followed C three. Yeah, I followed <laughs> three ninety four out to four ninety four Highway five. You know, and I got out to Paisley, and I. I so is so this is this is that night, or is this before? Um, You're doing some reconnaissance before. I I took a drive out there to see the building itself i showed up in the parking lot during the day one time i had my 35 millimeter camera i started taking photos and around the perimeter of the place how'd that go uh almost got kicked out and in the in, <laughs> in, in c's camera so this beautiful lady comes running out of the atrium and says you can't do that you can't do that put your camera away and i said i don't know what you're talking about and she's like were you actually ignorant or were you I was just pleading willfully yeah and he, she said if you take one more photo i'm gonna have to take the you know the contents of your camera and i said okay well i will um stop taking photos and i said is it possible to get a a look around is does he give tours you're a bold man yeah i was and and she's like, <laughs> i'll don't... stop taking photos but can i come inside yeah <laughs> 
And I said, I just moved up here um, not long ago. and This is country Wisconsin Rich, yeah. right here. Just don't know hey. no better. Hadn't been acculturated to city what life y'all, yet. What y'all doing in there? <laughs> I hear this is where Prince creates. And so. then, then, I'll tell you, if this story transitions into like a 14-hour tour inside yeah. of Paisley Park. Exactly. We are cutting this. <laughs> and then he made me pancakes. Lemon ginger tea. Amazing. How was that tea, by the way? Yeah. I'm still sipping as yeah. it cools off here. Everyone's got tea, tea, incense. The whole thing is is happening around mm-hmm. here. So what'd she say to the request for uh, a tour? She says, uh, he's out of town, but she kind of stuttered. Um, and I said, are, are you lying to me? Is he home? I asked you. <laughs> You're lying. I can yeah. see it in you. She's like, uh, why'd you rub your nose when you said that? <laughs> she, she's, he's not here. And I said, well, is he or not? Um, is he looking up, you know, the window? Is that, is that his room up there? And I was guessing at that time. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. You didn't know. You were yeah. just there taking photos, doing yeah. some reconnaissance work. Yeah. I just had to document the fact that I pulled into the parking lot. You're like, I'm here. Yeah. And so, life, life journey right now. So, is, so she lied to you, told you he wasn't there when he was, and then you went on your way with your photos? I went on my way with my photos. What'd you do with those photos? You still got those? I still have them. Really? Yeah, they're still... We should um, get those, man. We of course, put the, we still put, has those we should photos. Put, <laughs> we should put those on the page. That'd be kind of cool if we can add some of those, a couple of those we documents, because be. that'd be... Uh, I think I took yeah. four. I got away with four, and the, I'm ready to take the fifth one. That's when she she came out with her hands flailing. So. You get a picture of her with her hands <laughs> yeah, that flailing? Because that, that would be yeah. the best picture. Because who is that? No. <laughs> all I know is Do that you remember I'm, who it is no, at all? Okay. No, never. It's just a staffer or something. I met her, I met her that one day. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so you yeah. did your reconnaissance, yeah. and then on a random night, you're driving out there on Saturday checking out... Uh, yeah. I saw cars in the parking lot. And had heard that that's what you look for, maybe some activity. And um, I had n- nothing. Um, to, I, I didn't know what to expect. Yeah. I had, I had no clue. And were, were the doors open at the time? Did you just walk in or was there a line in the parking lot? Uh, I believe there was already people inside. Okay. And um, the security back then patted me down and said, you know, enjoy so you like no line, no waiting. And you're like, what? That's it? Yeah. <laughs> you I'm in? Do you remember what it cost you? <laughs> I don't. It, it could have been back in those days and it was $7. Seven bucks to get to probably. see Prince record uh, or most, free. one or, of like the most classic songs in the history of Prince music. How did I know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it'll um, go down in the ages. Like people will listen to that song in a mm-hmm. hundred years and it will still be as hypnotizing as it is today. And as, as people that were there and diehards know that what was put out on that CD single yeah. physically is not the full version, but so, so tell me before we get into that, right? Sure. So yeah. we're going to just put a pin right in that. We're going to yeah. talk about this night some more. Sure. Cause I love talking about this yeah. night. Mm-hmm. It's one of my things. So <laughs> when you walk in there, is he playing yet or is so t- tell us like, okay, they mm-hmm. patted you down. Mm-hmm. You walk into the room. What's that experience like? It, overwhelming. Uh, first of all, it, the, smell where are you in in the building i would have been where the the bathrooms are where the, the tour is now and pretty much okay and uh, so if you've been to paisley park where the tours are ending coming yeah. out of the sound stage because bathrooms there yeah the, the bathrooms are before they got remodeled exactly way before and uh they were but they didn't look thing. like they look now back in the day there used to be straight corners yeah yeah, yeah. and there was there was one stall and two urinals in the main men's bathroom yeah you either go left to the, the men's or right to women's and yeah it, it wasn't no much unisex. smaller yeah. longer lines sometimes yeah 
and um you know different different wall situation too because it was all walled in yeah it was like flatter right and then there was that room there back in the production area yeah and the the merch stand was immediately to my left i remember okay but there was a merch stand yeah there was you know all all sorts of things that were uh, you know, a couple of staff uh, milling about, and I, I didn't know that okay. I could buy things. So that's where it is. You're in there. You're overwhelmed. The mm-hmm. smell, and you're walking into the yep. uh, love for one another room, and yeah. sometimes called the MPG Music Club room. Yeah. And you're taking that that right into there, mm-hmm. and and what's happening when you walk in? I fully was expecting to just think I you know just like my jam of the year experience it was it was kind of a greatest hits run through as well as a lot of, a lot of, a lot for emancipation but I was just thinking that it's gonna be a um, a performance that he's gonna play his hits and boy was I wrong yeah and did you know he played stuff like this no not at all I had no clue whatsoever until that night so you walk in there is mm-hmm. he playing when you walk in uh there was there- is there a DJ DJ in? Uh, there could have been somebody named Dudley D maybe back then. It wasn't you? Yeah, it could have been. I think or, that was you, man. <laughs> that was you. Yeah. The only other person I probably saw up on the tables was probably was it Brother Jules back then too. Yeah, but yeah. this was this was this was uh June of nine or this was uh summer of ninety eight. Yeah. So I think that was you, Dustin. I was definitely there. Yeah, okay. that was definitely and that was definitely you playing. <laughs> and guaranteed. That, and then he did that so he does the set before the war. Do you remember anything from that set? I think I came in halfway into that. Okay. I, I, yeah, because he does the yeah. set and then mm-hmm. he transitions. Yeah. Kind of the, the deal turns and he transitions, then he's getting the crowd going. Yeah. One, two, mm-hmm. the evolution, and like getting getting the chant mm-hmm. rolling, right? And mm-hmm. everyone's like screaming it, and he's recording that. And to your point, mm-hmm. the song in its kind of original recording is yeah. longer. What was the release version? How long was that? Was it's it in like 26? 20 something? Yeah. 26 minutes. And yeah. what do you think the the full version Give is? Give or take a few bars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 40 plus, maybe? 40 plus. So what, what did he cut out? Uh, it, it it was a lot of, from what I remember, uh, a lot more extended intru- instrumentation. And as, as you had in conversation had said, the backstory of why it extended so long. Yeah, he had to go of, get those lyrics, man. Exactly. Well, Who, he didn't go get them. Takumi, I think, went and there got you go. the lyrics. Didn't, didn't he have to run back to the Galpin Boulevard house yeah. to get that? Out of the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know. Yeah, and, sometimes and that's lyrics, where the best ideas and, and, come and from. And wh- where are you standing? <laughs> I'm I'm in the back. You okay. know, taking it all in. And what I do recall uh, from there, you know, in, in looking up on where the the balcony above where the kitchen is uh, now, uh, and the stairs uh, went up there, I think that's where you're, uh, you... Little perch. Yep. Yeah, Dustin's perch. That's where you used yeah. to hang out, man. And perch used to come out and hang out there with There was them. a couch behind there, right? There was a room there. There was a room behind there. Yeah, yeah I never... I, clearly, I, yeah. I, I never went up there. But. I used to watch Friday back up in there. Really? So every yeah. Friday night, we'd get in there early, and I'd carry in Dustin's records, right? That's how I snuck into the place, and I'd be carrying them records. <gasps> and I'd roll up, and I'd drop the records off, and Dustin would be like, yeah, we got a little bit for the doors to open. Mm-hmm. And behind that room, there was a screen, and there yeah. was, like, pillows on the floor, and a DVD player, and, like, this big screen projector a dvd player and one 
I swear, <laughs> I swear, there was only one DVD, and that was Friday. That was the Friday room. <laughs> that was the Friday room, man. <laughs> so the room behind the perch is the Friday room. And we would watch, every Friday night, we would watch the first, like, 43 minutes wow. of Friday. <laughs> and the chief would roll in to be like, Dustin, they're opening the doors. And I'd be like, oh, man, I got to wake up here because I'd be getting all comfy on the pillow. Yeah. Little, you mm-hmm. know, I was always worried when I was up there, too, because I always felt like I was kind of like... You know, riding dirty up in there because I was sneaking <laughs> I was in with the records. <laughs> the records. And mm-hmm. I was always nervous that Prince was going to walk into the pillow room while I was drooling on the pillow watching <laughs> Friday. <laughs> Damn, that's why you never fully fell asleep. Never fully <laughs> fell asleep up in there, but I was always worried that he was going to catch me watching Friday. Anyway, so yeah, go ahead. Sorry, sorry, sorry to just hijack that story with my own. Not at all. Not at all. That <laughs> happens. That, that's something that I would have never experienced. Yeah. I've seen Friday. People are like, yeah, you've seen Friday, right? I'm always like, yeah, I've seen Friday. The first 43 minutes, a lot. <laughs> was was the stage set up um, against that back of the Yeah, that, that's where the stage was that night. Okay. Yeah, because he was yeah. playing that whole that whole summer. He was playing from that mm-hmm. kind of back up yeah. to the perch with the band there. And then he had the uh, mm-hmm. engineer right to the right because yeah. he was hanging. Yeah. Because I was front row for that show. Oh. Yeah, yeah. And he was hanging yeah. – he was hanging right at the sound booth while the band yep. was playing. And I remember the sound booth. Then he would be rolling with the one, two, the evolution. Mm-hmm. And he'd come back and kind of lead us in the in yeah. the uh, in the chant. I was always a wallflower for years. Yeah. Uh, at least those first couple of years, I would find my little pocket, and sometimes it was um, wherever I could uh, get to because usually with the the way he would configure the the couches, all the women that got there early. Yeah. We're all, you know, elevated yeah, seating and all that. They would sit down and, and I, I, you know, they had to get off their feet. I, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, um, back those back in those days, he would make chip and salsa runs uh, that I remember. Not him personally. Yeah. But uh, but he would bring it to us. You know? <laughs> Can you just and see friends at Byerly's? He's yeah. like, yo, I got a couple hundred people at Paisley. <laughs> you guys are out of pace. I had to get some Doritos and some Tostitos. <laughs> no, he didn't do that. <laughs> but I, I don't remember eating that night. I just I was locked in, yeah. and so when Prince is like on the microphone and he's getting into this, yeah. Saturday morning awaits. Mm-hmm. If you don't wish to be challenged, leave now. Mm-hmm. Did you think about leaving? Hell no. <laughs> I don't know if anybody left. Oh, I'm just saying. Like, I mean, you got Prince on the microphone. Like, he's mm-hmm. about to challenge you. Were you like, yeah, bring that on? I want to hear what you have to say. Or were you like, I don't know what this man's talking about. I didn't know what was awesome. going on. Okay. I, I, I had nothing uh, to draw from. Yeah, because that was it's your first time. Yeah, yeah. So, so the the, the night ends. The mm-hmm. war is recorded. You walk out of there and. Like what? What? How do you feel? I'm scratching my head in silence as I'm driving back the 23 minutes into my 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 apartment, and that that connection of trying to process started that night. Every night from there on, you know, until we stopped, we, we couldn't go anywhere, you know. But those those first. Uh, How did you find out about the next one? Great question. I usually just drove out there to find out. Nobody so ever. Yeah, you were. Yeah, when did did when did you get into a network of people that were letting you know? I never really did. Really, there was so no you, chat group, no nothing, connection, no MPG, nothing. There was. I didn't I, even I, have a computer, and <laughs> yeah, I didn't. And at that time, and so 
I remember. Because, I mean, it's kind of a different yeah. experience. So you're just like, luck of the draw, Saturday yeah. night. Show I feel up. like something's going to happen. Go. Yeah. I'm gonna. I'm up and I'm ready to go. Yeah. This is cool as hell, man. So did you begin meeting people when you're out there? I usually kept myself for the most okay. part, but I did um, So you, f- you find this group of people yeah. and all these folks jamming out to Prince music, yeah. right? And like you no longer have to be a closet Prince fan. No. But you still stay I'm a to freak yourself on this side, yeah. Yeah. There, um, but you still stay to yourself once yeah, you're out there because I I was observing. Okay. Everybody. So you're kind of like getting into uh, the the space and. Mm-hmm. There every every single I I do re- recall there was the regulars uh these these couple guys that were always talking to each other like two or three deep they always were front and center they always had to have the access to the stage and they were right in front of the mic all the time. It was like an obsession for them every single time I would, I identified him by face and I just kind of laughed and I said, I'm going to be over here taking in this perspective, watching him get up on stage. You know, you're, um, you know, you're making fun of me. Well, sure. There you go. But it wasn't you. It was entirely someone. No, different. Just, yeah. just so you yeah. are aware. <laughs> yeah. That was me. But that was your need back then. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I needed yeah. to, I yeah, needed no, to you I know, get sit it. back. Yeah. Everyone, everyone's rocking different journeys, you mm-hmm. know? And yeah. at some point I was like, I'm mm-hmm. done with the front row, man. I need to, I need to move to the back. So, exactly. I, yeah. I get it, man. And mm-hmm. everyone's kind of rocking a different course. So you're going out there. What other, what other kind of, of that era, that kind of summer time frame? what other uh, memories do you have? Uh, it just, becoming an addiction uh to to find out if if a drug yeah need another hit it was what, what's safest, what's yeah. driving the drug what what what's driving the addiction for you why 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 do you want to go back so bad because why do you want to do it again it validated from day one exactly why i moved up is to go to this musician's house the only person in history that would play perform Record that you come in into his house. I mean, Elvis never did in Graceland. Um, you, you could argue that um, you know that Dolly never did in Dolly, Dolly Land or Dollywood or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, Michael never did it. In, you know, well, let's not say that. Yeah. In Neverland. <laughs> um, but there is uh, all these famous artists with even Electric Ladyland. You look at Hendrix; he only recorded there, but he didn't like allow people to come in. And be in a listening studio. Yeah, so you're participating in the process? Is yeah. that what's drawing you there? It was, it, uh... it was amazing to know that this facility was only a couple hours where, from where I grew up that I I needed to to be a part of this community. Yeah, you wanted and, to be you yeah. wanted more. And and I, I eventually I met people that became friends back in those days for I'd say the first four to six years that I was going out there from ninety eight yeah. to to the musicology era. But um, after, and there's a lot happening in that era, exactly, right? I mean, that yeah. that's when Paisley yeah. Park is. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, it's popping. All those friends are gone, but the okay one particular person that had moved up from Milwaukee. Once I got my first uptown apartment, uh, he and maybe jumping ahead a little bit, but he uh, no jumping ahead's good. Yeah, he got he got into somehow on an email on good old AOL back then, and it led him to be on a short invite list maybe if you know if you would check it every every night he worked in it um he was apartment number two i was apartment number one on 33rd and gerard and um living uptown for the first seven years basically um of being in minneapolis gave me that in, uh, experience of seeing other colorful people in that part of the city 
that I could connect with also and find them sometimes out at Paisley Park. Nice. Yeah. And so you're starting to build and form a little bit these relationships. Yeah. And how Slowly. did it feel to kind of come out of like closet prince mode rich? Oh, freeing. <laughs> it was. Did you feel like you kind of hit like a new level of you then? Oh, I had to because uh, I felt like there was this some type of rebirth in in personal sense, but also that this is where I always meant to be. And I joked with my parents on a personal note uh, years later, and I said, if I would have known what I know now, I would have emancipated myself at probably age 13 or 14 <laughs> and, and tried to get money enough to actually find someone that I could run a room out. Yeah. So I could have attended everything from the early 90s and especially through the gold experience era. Yeah. You know? So you, you feel like you missed something uh, there. But I still have a lot of great memories from 98 Ford, of course. But I felt that only if I could have been there during, yeah, during that yeah, era. Yeah, you oh, feel like you missed man. something. So yeah. did the, the, the drive of kind of like the feeling of wanting to go back, mm -hmm. did, did that stick with you up until, you know, the last shows and piano and a microphone? And like, was that yeah. was that always there? Um, I, do re I do remember after the piano and microphone show that I left that night and I said, I don't think I never never come need to come back again because I think that was the greatest show of my life. Really? He, why, why was that the greatest show of your life? Um, he transformed everything that I loved, and, and I think he made most grown men and women cry that night. And I was one of them, and I could not believe what I was seeing. And it was so deeply personal. And and I felt like he can he cannot top this, and I don't want to be disappointed. And I and I really struggled to even go back the following weekend with the showcase with Judith and and um, the time. Yeah. And but I knew that it was going to be a very a nice celebratory mood. Um, it showcased them. So the last show was the pinnacle in your mind. Yeah. Where and were you sitting? I was about uh, the first the first show about eight rows back on the left side. Um, and uh, maybe 12 rows back on the left side for the second. That was both okay, shows. Okay, so you saw both. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and... Seated. Not on a pillow. Not on a pillow, yeah, yeah. but seated. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, when you're in when you're in there, deeply personal, he's mm -hmm. reworked the songs and yeah. just next level. Yeah. And it was sounded amazing, too. It had yes. that surround sound. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, they did a great job. Shout mm -hmm. out to Scotty P. Yeah, mm -hmm. Scotty P. He was on all that. Yeah, and in, in in not long ago, I I met the crew that shot that from Infinity Studios, and they have a new um, uh, place in an industrial complex in Northeast Minneapolis. I took a tour. Yeah. And by the way, they they showed me uh, most of um, the second show. Really. On the screen. So they got it, huh? Yeah, and they. What said, are they doing with it? Um, they're waiting for the estate to give them a go. Really. And but, I, but I tried... you you got you got a sneak peek. I got to see almost the entire show by myself. Nice. And and I, I how, kinda, how did how did it replay to you? Because I mean, you saw the show live. You got to experience it. How did it replay? Uh, seeing how, when was this last week? No, it was um, late last fall. Late last um, fall. Okay, so probably. a while ago. Yeah, I was the only one that knew about this open house to yeah. showcase this place, the the new the new space. And I I I just walked up to yeah. the staff and I said, "Who here was working that show?" Yeah. And I said, "I want to know the status of of the release. Um, is it an estate related issue?" Can um, 
you know, maybe during this, this. And then she started waving her hands like, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. And then they're like, no, you, I want to watch so, it. So, so your boldness <laughs> yeah. of doing bold things and yeah. asking bold questions has not stopped from Never. the moment you came Never will. Even, to Minneapolis. Even after he's been gone. No, yeah. it didn't matter because I, I always lived the mantra. Yeah. Um, you know, it, you got everything to gain and nothing to lose. Yeah, it's not going to cost you anything. No, and you might as well take a shot. And you know they can say no. And so, do you think? I mean, do you think Prince taught you that? Uh, I, like I would, in I, part, I think because I mean, in, in that, a way, he, he kind of yeah. lived that kind of life, I, I right? Would hope like, so, yeah. like if you kind of think of like the lyrics, mm-hmm. the way in which he did the music industry, yeah. and, and and Warner Brothers, and kind of his boldness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, he was he was unapologetically Prince and not yeah. afraid to. Yeah. Unpredictable. I mean, it it was good to keep reinventing yourself too. Yeah. And if you know, if you're going to be boring, and I felt like you know my hometown was extremely boring, and the people weren't going to grow, and I I was suffocating in a in a small town, and um, even living on the cross, college town, it sucked. There was nothing challenging about it. So I had to be you know age 21, 22, when I left for good. That this was pulling me even further yeah. that I needed to now, you know, literally spend the last half of my life, you yeah, know, doing this, going thing. there. Yeah. So, so how many shows do you think you saw over that, uh, 20 year span? I, I know at least a hundred, uh, maybe up to 120, somewhere around there, I think. Okay. Yeah. And most of them at Paisley park. Oh yeah. They're uh, the only what arena shows would have been stuff in the cities. Yeah. There would have been the three nights from musicology, and uh, Excel Energy Center. And, never traveled though. Uh, never went outside of Minnesota. Nice. Yeah. And uh, I know we know a lot of people that did. You yeah. Know, it could have been Australia. It could have been you know, um, other other countries. I know dude that went to Japan with the guy. Really? Yeah. yeah. Oh man, what year was that? <laughs> <laughs> Dustin, what year did you go to Japan with Prince? Uh, ninety-five. No. It was, no, it was like 2002. Yeah, it was I was going to say 2001, 2000. Mm-hmm. I missed Thanksgiving. I was all right, though. I had sushi. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of Japan and like uh, all the other places, I know you're big into mm-hmm. like the bootlegs and the unreleased material. Mm-hmm. When did you start going after that? Oh, that is like great transition because I wanted to talk about that. That was my education for years before. I came into several markets across the world um, through Goldmine Magazine, actually. Yeah, you're doing this on paper. Oh, yeah, old school. Yeah. It was it was my Bible, you know, right? You know, looking for bootlegs, um, um, even... How uh, often did that get published? Was that once a month? I believe so. I would I would get that from a record shop in La Crosse. It was Deaf Ear Records. So before you moved to Minneapolis, yeah. you were buying bootlegs? Yep. These would be Goldmine. So Goldmine's a music magazine. Yep. Do you remember yep. Goldmine? Oh, that thing was yeah. sweet, man. It was a it was a massive I mean it, like a bible, you know, kind of a, almost a newspaper size yeah. type thing. And it was just yeah. full of like yeah, random ads vendors across yeah. the country, the world and they would have their listings of what they had and I would always go with my highlighter and looking for the prince ones, you know, whether it was the the imports Japanese um whatever country that it was tagged with and it would have all the information on there and I, I was wondering I'm like now that I got a credit card what can I buy you know Heck yeah <laughs> so you that's, got in that's you got America into, right there you mm-hmm. got into that before you moved to Minneapolis and specifically Prince bootlegs uh, yeah um, my first bootleg ever in Alabama was was small club that yeah. I mean that's a classic yeah. right that's 
because that was the first it was the first um release on the x records label with that cool photo of him from love sex era on the, on the front and i had high expectations after that. i thought every bootleg was going to sound crystal clear from a mobile recording right. know, studio turns out not to be true right? not to be true and i had to suffer <laughs> through a lot of you know failed investments after that you know with dropping 50 and, bucks for yeah i was gonna speed. say they weren't cheap they were no yeah, 50 so, bucks, so 70 how, bucks. How much, how many bootlegs are you buying? Oh, I, it's Benny's I could, before be going, you know, almost becoming bankrupt, but I never did. <laughs> uh, they, you, you just walked the line. Yeah, there was, there was a limited amount that was available at that Deaf Ear Records shop. And I remember getting a, um, a black album, um, bootleg, and it was an import. They said, you know, a little cleverly, and it's twenty five dollars. And I asked them why it was, it was so expensive, and they, they kind of winked at me and said we had to get this from another country. And I said, okay, well, sold. This is cool. I'm done. You <laughs> Let's know, do this. I'm the only one interested in this. And I said, what else do you have? You know, they only ordered it for you. Exactly. <laughs> and there was only one copy. Um, so from there, I I made contacts through. Not just uh, Goldmine, but I actually went to the library and looked into Yellow Pages, found record shops, uh, generations of records. Oh, man, I'm, I'm out of these people. Um, in New York, and I remember this lady, the contact, was, her name was Eva. And um, I was on a, a, a call list from her when things would come in. And I, I attained everything from studio nights city lights these these massive box sets of these pristine you know documents um soundboard quality and i i had to have these and some of these were hundreds of dollars at yeah. this point now and and i i said well i can't say no you know and yeah, i kept going next thing you know i got a thousand dollars on my credit was card. that moonraker yeah. stuff um no or it was because I know Moonraker. Yeah. I never really got into the bootleg thing, yeah. but I know Moonraker was huge. Yeah, they were Thunderball. Doing a lot of stuff. Yep. Thunderball. There was Kiss the Stone, KTS. There was um, a few other um, Japanese labels that uh, went belly up too. I, I don't remember. But then you got yeah. Wiser. You got to in yeah. Minneapolis, and you foregone yeah. all your bootlegs because you had an epiphany. <laughs> that was my just... experiences live. It, versus, I, I listened to more bootlegs than his studio albums for a while. Really? Right. That was but, my I mean, you, you got rid of all those bootlegs. You don't have any of those anymore, uh, I right? think I think they're gone. <laughs> I, I believe so. I, they may have disappeared um, into my car. So. In, into your car? Uh, trunk. Yeah. The trunk of your yeah. car is just full. I, I, I sold them at a flea market. So yeah, what, do we, yeah. what do we think, though? What do we, what do we know back in the day? Prince wasn't Prince, and he was getting these things out. Soundboard quality, I you know, know about that. was he selling those? There was speculation. I I wondered that. I had conversation with friends, and I said, I think he has a hand in this. How else is these he, leaking out at this high quality stuff so closely? But it's hard, you know. It's speculation. Know. But um, how else did these find? I mean, he he had a deep love for a lot of. Uh, countries, um, especially you know, um, France and in in England and different parts of Japan, that some of these great titles were coming out from tours across his, his, the spectrum of his, his career. Now, and um, I, you know, I kept getting all these essential documents, but I also looked up online when I could borrow someone's computer, I'd print out manifests of available bootlegs and have the the information how many are out there i mean you've looked at all this stuff like oh, when now? you look at 
when you look at that, like if you were to add them all yeah. up, how many Prince bootlegs exist out back, there? Back even 20 years ago, um, I would say there was, there was hundreds already out there, uh, maybe uh, several thousand, and I couldn't conceivably have every one of them in my possession because they just seemed like um the different outlets had different stuff inventory yeah so yeah. and there was there was places in chicago there was uh i made contacts even with um a few places in california and, and you did this all by paper and phone phone yeah, yeah. And paper yep and you were just rolling you had the credit card and things were happening i had, I now, had my credit card and file for yeah. some of these places really <laughs> yeah so wait, what what kind of jobs were you working to afford i mean you're because you're you're not mm. you're not raking the big uh <laughs> big plasma cash. yeah mm. i mean how, how are you funding this? um restaurant barely i don't know eight nine ten dollars an hour and yeah and so then all, was, all your cash is going was to gleefully this, so. going into debt. That was so, no problem. So where none of your friends know you're into this. So no. where are you keeping your friends' bootlegs? Mm, you know, my under, my private area, like yeah. in, a, in, a, in a, a different <laughs> under, book, a under, different under, shelf. Yeah, under your mattress. <laughs> yeah, sure. Not on display because I did not want anybody to to see yeah. that, that these were there. It wasn't embarrassing. It was just more of like this is my music. Yeah, you can see. All my other grunge and crap out of here, my classics and stuff. Yeah. Whenever you come over, if I'm gonna have a little gathering or yeah, something like that, Alabama. But yeah, yeah but sure. We're not showing. You, we're not showing you uh, <laughs> the small club deal. Now, yeah. so you, you you listen to a lot of bootlegs. You bought a lot of bootlegs. Yeah. I mean, did that give you like any inspiration to do anything beyond that around the bootleg front, like record your own shows or anything? That would have been a great idea if I could have gotten equipment in back in those days um, for, you know, because when first I go to Paisley, it was painfully obvious that they had... The metal um, detector? There you go. And but they didn't always have that, right? I think they mostly did all the time back no, then. No, in, the, in the early days they did. Yeah. But then, like, later times... Later times, it was it was pretty lax, yeah. Um, I, there's a lot of documents that I wish I would have had, you know, such as the Madonna night, of course, yeah. you know. But yeah. I was not there, so. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well. Oh, yeah. well. Can't yeah. make them all. Can't make <laughs> yeah. them all. Or or even maybe, let's see, the, the Lynx at party for three hours, you know, after they won the championship. Yeah. That would have been great. I you know who there. coordinated that whole event? This guy over here? Yeah, Dustin made that mm -hmm. all happen. I did. It was pretty awesome. I got. You should tell us that story, mm -hmm. Dustin. How did that thing come to be? Because, I mean, that was publicized that the Lynx win the championship. What year was this? 2015? 15. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah. 2015. Um, so this is Minnesota's yeah, professional this is Minnesota. women's basketball I had, team. I'd been out at Paisley one night, I believe, and I invited Prince. I kind of told him I was doing the music director thing for the Timberwolves and the Lynx, and I was like, yeah, you should come to a game, blah, blah, blah. And, um,. Uh, just kind of worked out where the Lynx organization was like, can you get an invite to Prince? We'll give him a suite for the championship mm -hmm. game. And um, I did that. And he's like, cool, I'm coming. And then um, before the game, he was like, I'm going to play. I'm going to have a party for them after mm -hmm. the show. And I was just kind of like, oh, if they lose, like, how is this, this going to go this down? A horrible party. Yeah. But anyways. But, um, but he knew they were going to win. There you go. He knew they were going to win, and uh, he them. And He's then like, I'm having a party. These yeah. people better win. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and yeah, we we worked. They, I mean, the organization worked it out for the team, and uh, I believe they put them all on a bus after we went to seven to celebrate for a little bit, and then they got, all got on a bus and came out to Paisley Park and hmm. had a blast. And but that they, was, and he played for like. <clears throat> 
Oh yeah, he played for a while, a real long hmm. time. I mean, I don't, I don't remember exactly, but yeah, he had the players on stage dancing, and mm. it was, it was, it was a great celebration. I mean, that was like an epic night for you too, because you're like, dude, this happens because I sent an invite to Prince. <laughs> I you know I don't know just looking out for my friend yeah making it happen <laughs> but everybody got to benefit and I mean the the story goes viral right that this was oh, yeah, like what sure. Prince did yeah. and like it was like mm-hmm. it was a moment of like hey here's this after party mm-hmm. hometown it's guy. also women's basketball yeah. and it's just like which which know. is classic Prince yeah. right like he's just like we're celebrating yeah. these women and their accomplishment mm-hmm. and kind of lifting up um you know prof- women's professional basketball like yeah. this is worthy of a real deal Paisley Park celebration and con- i'm gonna i'm gonna play i at put this my deal. stamp of approval yeah. on this boom <laughs> I'm, I'm in it I'm, I'm a lynx fan exactly he, yeah. he was a converted man he, not that he gave up on the wolves yeah. or anything like that but they weren't they weren't going anywhere right then so. i like the wolves in the first <laughs> <laughs> but uh, who's got who's got that reference what's that funk from the f- song funk that's what he says on it oh, we yeah. out like the wolves in the first oh i'm <laughs> Oh God, I haven't heard that song for a while. Oh, it's such a good reference, man. too. I'm always like, oh, man, brother, you are cold. You are so cold. <laughs> oh, so were you doing – so were you doing kind of – you 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 weren't there for Madonna. You weren't there for the Lynx party. Great mm-hmm. story, DJ Dudley yeah. D. Were you there kind of in that era that, you know, 2013, obviously you yep. did the piano and the microphone show, yep. but were you going to a lot of those shows? Well, when it, when it, when it kicked back up, and of course, uh, there was a drought from that October 2009 show that was that last January 2009. That yeah, were, were you at that gig? I was. Okay. And, um, Great gig. That was the last time he did the splits for the public. Do you remember that? I don't remember him doing the splits. I just remember that show. He dropped down, super, super awesome. dropped down about nine times. He counted off, and he had a, he had a rug underneath. And I think the same rug that he used uh, ten years earlier in the in the rave um, yeah. taping. So yeah, he was he was jamming that night, and then yeah. he came he came uh, he was walking on our side of the deal. And I mean that was that was just a long show. Yeah. He just played for so long, and mm-hmm. I just remember just chanting, "People call me Rude. Yeah. I wish we mm-hmm. all were new." And I was mm-hmm. just like, "Dude, it was, it was I was <laughs> I was like I was out of it, and I hadn't seen him in a little while, so it was just like we're just like yeah. back in that moment, and he was yeah. playing some new songs, new configuration, some and, new old ones oh yeah. dude it was fantastic anyway yeah. um we digress so yeah. you hadn't been out there since 2009 and- yeah and then you know when it kicked back up with the uh, july uh live stream events that were starting to yeah you know unfold. third eye girl yep yeah and uh of course you know the uh there was no after parties that i was aware of after yeah. the dakota shows yeah no did you go to the dakota shows i went to the second night uh late show i believe um only okay and um a little spendy huh uh 100 something 160 maybe yeah who, who cares but no but the um <laughs> i just wish that i could have afforded you know the debut of third yeah. eye the yeah. next night yeah um that would have been another 500 right there but yeah. didn't have that right then yeah so uh, you know, flash forward to July and kick off and, you know, the events out there, we sat outside in that, that cul-de-sac where the baby's, um, that nurse, uh, yeah, child care center. Yeah, there you go. Um, and we made it a street party until, as we found out, he flew in Dr. Funkenberry for this event so he could be present for it. And delayed and delayed and delayed the rumor until we, I think I actually got in about 11 p.m. or so. But what I do recall is meeting a lot of people that became essential to doing good things with his, in his honor 
moving forward after the fact yeah exactly so like you're people. starting you're starting to make kind of like your your next phase yeah, of relationship a new tribe a new tribe yeah. yeah. so and you're kind of at a different point in your life yep. you're a little older you yep. kind of come out of your shell yep. a little bit i mean a new people uh, yeah yeah, yeah. better so, people yeah, yeah so now you're making relationships and when did yeah. we meet uh it was this was this after his death i it could have been it all just kind of blends together yeah the, we, like we, the time i think we kind of would see each other in different yeah. corners, but I was always finding my own little space, you know, yeah. somewhere in the, you know, maybe off the side of the stage or, uh, some people had their little area, you know? Yeah. And, um, since I got a hearing loss in my left ear, I, I tried to tried to get as close to the stage, maybe under the speaker to the right of it, where typically his so keyboard had, would be set up. Spot. Yeah. Sweet spot. And so, I had to get my vantage point. I wanted to see him. Yeah. You know, I didn't want to be front and center all the time. I didn't yeah. want to be in display and in spotlight. But you wanted to hear yeah. the music. Yeah, and and fill the room and and you know whether it be in the small room or in the big room, but more than anything, the the excitement kicked back up and sharing that experience with those live stream events uh, the, in July 2013 moving forward, and we didn't know that it would be such a unpredictable time. Yeah, you know sure for. Wrong you know um dance parties and then eventually the next year with the launch of paisley park after dark in march of 2014 and did you go to all those gigs yeah or? had to okay. um even even if you know there were 20 25 30 bucks a lot of people that realized it was just going to be you know music spun and dance and that he wasn't going to come out they started attending less and less and but I still showed up because you never knew, never. You would, never know. Yeah, when when he would come out. So <laughs> hey, you never know. Mm-hmm. So people... can I can I go back to something? Yeah. Yep. What's it like knowing Prince is performing, but you couldn't get the ticket? What do you do? Oh, just listen to bootlegs. <laughs> <laughs> like just killing yourself sitting yeah. downtown, watching outside the club. Mm. <laughs> Um, I don't think I ever allowed myself to ever wonder from the outside. I, I I went broke, um, in case in point, the rave, the second night of taping and the Prince night, you know, cause I didn't want to go to the time. Yeah. You were at that show. Yeah, it was in, um, still got the ticket. I somewhere buried in my sub fireproof safe somewhere. Yeah. And, um, Oh, fireproof safe. We're getting closer. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't want anything to ever. So, um, I remember having literally the last hundred dollars uh, until payday, and that was the cover, the recommended you know cover fee. And they said yeah, they it were, wasn't recommended; yeah. it was required. <laughs> the, sure, and they they oh, said that, that we could was so cold. Oh. Yeah, we could write it off for tax season, and I was a little, I was like, okay, fine. Because it was the uh, the the music deal from VH1, Save the Music campaign. That's where all that money was going. Really? Yep. I didn't know that actually until now. Yeah, so, you could you yeah. could donate to Save the Music to get like awesomeville seats that were like vip and you yeah. didn't have to wait out in the cold wow would have been a wise investment but hmm. not if you only had a hundo yeah i remember specifically asking the door person can i only give you 80 i need 20 for, i need 20 for, <laughs> I, need, I need to eat i need food at least some cheeseburgers and mcdonald's yeah because i'm, I'm, yeah. I'm broke ramen noodles are on sale can we do 90 i'll go ramen that's all, yeah, <laughs> i don't even need a burger yeah, i i do i do remember having ramen noodles at home and some other pasta and stuff uncooked and i was like that's all i got my my cover till payday but, but he's like it. no man I you can't. made it you're yeah. here to us yeah so i went in there and um that night is an entirely different conversation for 
for all time. You yeah. Know, what what was it about yeah. that night that, that you liked so much? The end, uh, when I got to hang out with uh, George Clinton, watching Prince play Baby Nose um, in a variety of Greatest Romance, never sold some of the bonus cuts on the DVD. And he came up, saddled up next to me, and he tapped me on the shoulder, and he's like, hey, man, I... What? I that looked was George over Clinton? George Clinton right to my yeah. uh, to my left and and I just gave him a nod and I go George, you know. Yeah. I, you and, and he's rocking that George uh Viking Neon. shirt. Well back he then. rocking that George Viking <laughs> shirt. Um I don't remember what he was wearing, but he had a whole he lot of neon in his hair. So a lot of lot of colorful pieces of hair. And we were watching, it was about 4.30 in the morning, and finally he was ready to you know, call it quits. And uh, Takumi was cleaning up the stage. and Prince's guitar tech at the time. Yep. And I yelled out, to, I didn't know his name until that night, actually. And I said, hey, hey, uh, could I have that guitar pick right there? And he pointed down and said, that one? I go, yeah, that one. It was the last one that he used um, for the night and technically... You know, historically in the millennium, last one he ever used and touched, it was shredded, and I think it was, you know, used on that blues medley, Purple House, um, and nice. So, so you got that pick at home? Yeah, I've got that, and nice. so that is gonna it's a little keep safe. Oh, forever, yeah. But that that will be in the fireproof safe as well. So. Yes. <laughs> How big is this safe? Um, <laughs> it's a walk-in <laughs> vault. Yeah, big enough for essentials. In, uh, so sitting in, uh, we're not gonna give the address, but you yeah. you live in uh, North Minneapolis. Yes. You know, I mean, I come from North Mini, and I never run from Mini, and, uh, and I ain't about, about to stop right, right now. <laughs> so, so what's it like living in the neighborhood that uh, Prince cut his teeth in? Well, the cool thing is I'm three blocks away from the Capri. Um, nice. And to know that 40 years ago this year, you know, just a few months ago in January, that he had those historic shows that I wish I would have been alive, but I was three. Yeah. Know? But yeah. Uh, who'd have known? Who would have known that he would have came from this place? I've lived I lived the first 10 years of my Minneapolis life um, in Uptown and yeah. then the last 10 in North. Yeah. And so um, I've, it's an entirely different planet, but, you know, I, I, I've understood the dynamic of... Yeah, what do you think living in North Minneapolis has taught you about Prince? Humble beginnings. You know, really? What, 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 explain that more. What do you mean about humble beginnings? Well, after meeting some community leaders that were there, mentors uh, of Prince, and hearing the stories of not just how life was back when he was growing up, but as a, as a young black man trying to, you know, just play music, and more than anything, having having people around him, and in, in I'm within ten blocks north of Andre Simone's childhood house, um, right off of Plymouth. There, yeah, and to to see these neighborhoods, and to hear about stories of what happened in the '60s with the race riots and, and the burning of rows of businesses on on Plymouth and Penn, and then of course, um, you know, for a reference point when he. When he spoke of that in an extended lyric part in Dance Rally for Peace, when you know he yeah. references neighborhood area, yep. and so I know that 
I, I know where he's talking this is, about. This is about when he's calling out Plymouth yeah. and Penn. He's, he's coming home in, yeah. in, in that and you're song. Driving, you're driving yeah. right by there. Yeah. And so, I, I you know, I, I felt like I was always chasing his ghost anyways. Yeah. Um, for a lot of reasons. And um, even from day one when I when I met with apartment search in Uptown to, yeah. get, to get my first apartment, I, little did I know on 20, I think it was 26th or 28th in, in Hennepin, um, where the cloud guitars used to be made was yeah. was a few tenants in so on that block. So you're always close to kind of the history. It was, yeah, it was and that's weird. kind of Minneapolis, yeah. right? Like yeah. wherever you are, you never know. You're kind of close to yeah. the history, and I think the, the there's 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 interesting stories mm-hmm. just on the backdrop, North Minneapolis, tumultuous times yeah. of the '60s. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the race riots of Minneapolis. It's interesting because I grew up in the city of Minneapolis, and I didn't mm-hmm. learn about the race riots of North Minneapolis till I was like in my late twenties. Exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. This is not stuff that's publicized, yeah. but this is setting kind of the undercurrents mm-hmm. of, of of a musical scene mm-hmm. um and, and and who who people will become you know yeah. i think a lot of that social consciousness mm-hmm. of prince is born out of that era as well yeah. it doesn't just come out of a, of a vacuum there's a particular set of s- streets and blocks yeah. and people mm-hmm. that are all you know in the mix so yeah. it's, it's interesting that you live there and you kind of get to live and breathe those mm-hmm. uh, connections. And I still feel that I'm, you know, chasing his ghost from, you know, block to block to uh, hearing stories still about what alleyways and what garages he used to jam in yeah. with way before any band was formed. Yeah, it's know? crazy. So, so I'll tell you a story because it's just like story time tonight because we're here mm-hmm. and it's like you're just kind of vibing on the various things i was we had a raspberry stand right we grew raspberries i live in north (laughs) minneapolis as well so we grow raspberries north minneapolis and um you know my kids we go out to the corner and we sell these raspberries for three dollars a pint it's a great deal by the way um because you go i went to the grocery store the other day five dollar raspberries so we give you homegrown way more fresh Mm -hmm. you know berries we hooking you up right anyway so we got our, our raspberry stand me and the kids doing our thing summer um in minneapolis literally on the streets doing her thing it's super fun guy pulls up stops buys some raspberries and mm-hmm. i don't even know how we get on topic it was not me i i swear <laughs> it was not me being like hey this is this is this is me like telling him i'm a prince fan mm-hmm. and the guy's like hey yeah i remember prince jamming right in front of that house right there <laughs> And right next door to you? Right next door to me. So he's pointing to the house next door to me that Prince used to play outside in the, the summers. They used to do gigs out there. Yeah. And that's kind of like the North Minneapolis deal. And that house, yeah. you know, I, I knew mm-hmm. at the time, but that was Jellybean Johnson's house. I just didn't know Prince was out there doing summer concert yeah. series at some block party night. God. And that's that's kind of the scene that he grew yeah. up in, though, is these, yeah. these these players, and you hear these stories of yeah. him jamming in this garage, him playing on this street corner, him doing this street fair. <laughs> it's kind of fun being part of the, the mm-hmm. community to hear yeah. that history. And the only the only f- uh, photo that I've ever seen surface from a, the block party was he did a benefit in early 80s. Um, it's in the, the archives in Minnesota Historical Society for the uh, Phyllis Wheatley Community Center. Yeah. And it's black and white. It was shot by, I want to say, Charles Chambliss, I believe. In, um, but 
I bought a, a print of it, uh, enlargement, um, and I've yet to frame it, but it's it's amazing to look at because it was about the Dirty Mind era, yeah. and they miscorrect. It, it was they they put the date. I think is when he might have turned it over uh, in 1985. It says on the bottom. I know damn well that it's the Dirty Mind era because of his hair and his look and the keyboards. And so they've miscategorized yeah, it. The you know for the the actual year that this, it was shot. This is a good transition though because I mean you are like a kind of like a historian in a, in, in a way. I mean mm-hmm. both of kind of North Minneapolis, mm-hmm. North Minneapolis architecture as mm-hmm. well as the Prince music. Yeah. I mean you go back and you look at I like microfiche stories too. and yeah. clips and yeah. tell us about that that process. Well, I mean photography for me started at probably age two, I had a camera in my hand with these cross country road trips with my father. I was documenting every state that I was in, or I wasn't photographing people per se. Those usually my, my aunts would do that for like family gatherings. I was more enamored with landscapes and old stuff. And I, I wanted to tell a story through my, my perspective, but as things, um, Later, obviously, with social media, um, Instagram, I started uh, noticing other people were documenting and telling stories about properties and mansions and Victorians from the 1880s and 90s or whatever. Yeah. And and I said, "Damn, I want to, I, I want to do a little bit of this, but I want my own little spin." So, yeah. whether it was maybe a photo I took outside of Paisley, maybe it was something a memory that I, I never forgot the backstory. Yeah. I felt like maybe Were these all in connection to Prince, not everything, but sometimes it. It, it was inspired by, or it led, you know, back around to it. Um, but you know, just historic historical context to it. Um, there's always a story to be told, um, from, from anything that you, you come across. And so, you know, just getting the, the facts correct and giving proper credit to, you know, everybody that was involved is, is, I think is respectful. So, you know, do you uh, share that anywhere like that people can access? I'm on Instagram. Yeah. Well, how would one follow you on Instagram? It would be R a Benson seven, six and, or yeah. So there's, uh, you'll, you would see that not just once in a while, I'll showcase the, our purple family and the journeys that we go on once in a while. Sometimes I'll keep, photos from a lot of our experiences you know to myself and maybe might use them for something else uh one day such as those exterior shots of paisley park from the summer of 98 i don't know what i'm gonna do with them but i'm probably gonna have to get clearance from you know paisley because it's no. their property no, no so you'll be fine um but <laughs> they cease and yeah. letter coming at you exactly mark told me you'd be fine yeah. <laughs> blame it on good. blame it on mark yeah but there's there's um there's a lot of things. I mean, I literally have tens of thousands of photos that I've taken over my life, and um, there's there's a story behind you know most wow. every every batch, every trip that I've ever taken, um, even some concert photography that I was once into only in the mid 2000s. Yeah. So I documented a lot of people I get to meet that you know had a band successful for two years and they disappeared off the face of the earth. But I, I you know met some of my heroes that way. You know. Cool. So, I mean, you've kind of done your own 
storytelling yeah. propelled this into your own art. I learned I learned the art of storytelling from my father. Yeah, you know, he's good to gab, and um, he was life of the party party, and he always had the ability to draw people in, you know, and and make people feel welcome. Um, and I'm just I'm I'm glad that I got that you yeah. know, from him too. So, but my cool. storytelling is about music and music. his is you know different you know ball game because we all have our own experience tell me a story what's your favorite album album yeah what's your favorite pr- well obviously prince album unless you've got a different <laughs> album that's alabama <laughs> baby god <laughs> alabama's greatest hits man and then purple rain <laughs> uh I'd, you gotta pick one i mean yeah just pick one album we're not gonna hold it to you for the rest of your life god i could today I could. I could probably even go into some Neil Young territory or even some... Uh, Let's stick to Prince. Let's stick yeah. to Prince. <laughs> okay. For, um, Although Neil Young Unplugged is a great album. <laughs> it, it, it's, it would be easy to say since I was there for the the whole period of, of the rave era to say that's my favorite album because I was right. very much very much a part of that. Right. And, and seeing the creation of that. But um, I... Man, I. <laughs> it's that's it's one of the toughest questions ever, you know. For what is your favorite? Person I could have about? asked yeah. you favorite song, but I yeah. Gave you what's your favorite song? <laughs> um, probably a tie between "How Come You Don't Call Me Anymore" and um, uh, possibly "She's Always in My Hair." So early '80s, really. Yeah. You know, some of those B sides and all that. So, what? Uh, what era do you wish you, you could have been around for that for a concert there? for for a prince concert yeah or like at paisley park or um paisley park definitely love sexy um era um yeah most likely because of what i've heard there's um some people that got in trouble some of his former bandmates that got fired as i've been told um that shared some of those rehearsal sessions and they've been bootlegged on on labels right you know years ago and stuff and hearing that process of such a great album and and know that what we know that the creation period um after parade and between sign of the times and love sexy and batman era too yeah he was just spitting them out it was it was crazy and um i wish i would have been you know to see that that process and whatever i could have gotten access to you know, for late night shows or whatever you would have done, benefit shows. I don't care. Yeah. Right. So those are like those are like your favorite albums. It, it, yeah, because it's it's such a it, it, it's a it's a story. It's a he's telling a story. He's a story about about it. what he's doing. Yeah. Yeah, I, li- I like the stories. Uh, you know, you talked a little bit about kind of the Purple Family mm-hmm. and the connections. Yep. I mean, how has that uh, continued post uh, post death? I, I think a lot of people have um, good intentions, good um, ways to share their energy. I think it also splintered a lot of people off into, because um, you, you can reminisce and, and tell good stories, you know, for days. But this time of year, April through June, always seems to be um, a touch and go emotionally for a lot of people. And I, I don't, you know... It, it's tough it, it really is and you know it's still hard to believe he's gone but um i think the people that understand what you're going through and you see them if there's an event if there's a you know a fundraiser or there's something in his honor um you know that will celebrate someone that was in his circle or a good idea for 
you know, musical school, the, the, the Academy of Prince, um, that some people have done good with in his honor to, to keep his legacy alive. And that, that's important, but there's only so much that us Minneapolis, not non, you know, residents here, it's, it's far too much to keep up to. So I, I just, the, just the activities yeah. of, uh, of the celebration, et yeah. cetera. I just hope that people don't want to make money, you know, whether it's, I don't know, you know, items that they're, they're making for profit. They should, I would say in, in the right spirit, give back to some charity or some, you know, community effort, something that he would have supported in yeah. life, you know? And, um, there's a bigger mission here. Yeah, there's, and, um, a, the, a few things that I've been a part of, it's all been in a respectful, you know, way of portraying what he did and what he meant to us. But I've I made a dollar. Yeah. I haven't asked for a dollar. What, you know? uh, I mean, just kind of to summarize as we get to the close, I mean, mm-hmm. as you think about what Prince means to you, like how would you summarize that? How would you encapsulate that into a few sentences? I think he, uh, his music taught me more about myself than any one family member, any one um, hero of any time in history, and allowed me to uh, to be who I wanted to be and be be okay with it, you know. And I think that he brought out, you know, like I jokingly said, you know, he brought the freak out of us. He brought he he let us be comfortable with who we are in our skin. And um, just like that song, Freaks on this side, I'll be over there. Yeah, you're so, on this side. Freaks yeah. on this side. And, and, we, know, and we, we know who we are. Yeah. You know, who, we know who we became because of him. Yeah. And I think he, he opened up so many doors for other people to be okay with who they are and to express themselves through music, through anything they do in, in an artistic sense. Mm-hmm. And, and we have to keep, you know, keep remembering that, that he's still inspiring us. Yeah. And that's... That makes me happy. Yeah. yeah, I think that's a big deal, you know, and I think that's that's part of the legacy, right? Yeah. That mm-hmm. the 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 Paisley Park scene, the Paisley Park crew, yeah. Yeah. it doesn't live on in the building anymore. Yeah. I mean, from the building perspective, mm-hmm. that ship has sailed. Yeah. Um, it's not the same, you know, but yeah. we carry on the mm-hmm. legacy in the community and yeah. in, in, in what we who we are and, mm-hmm. and, and, and collectively what we're becoming yeah. and what we're contributing um, from that creative process to the world. I think I think that becomes the legacy that he opens these yeah. doors, he mm-hmm. touches these lives, transforms people, yeah. and then in turn these people go out into the world and they're different than they would have been had they not seen mm-hmm. um, what the creative process can be. Yes. It's really amazing. Mm-hmm. This was good. Gave us a mm-hmm. sense of, of, of who you mm-hmm. are. We appreciate you coming on. Thank you. Any last questions, Dudley D? So if one were to try and get a recording device past the security at Paisley Park, just hypothetically, how would they do it? Possibly in an area where they're not going to grab. <laughs> Creative. <laughs> Creative. That is the way to go. And that, that's how one would uh, make that happen. Yeah, probably one would, would think so, yes. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, we appreciate the time. Thanks for coming on. My name is uh, Mark Bondi. I'm here with my co-host. DJ WD. And this is Paisley Nights. We're chronicling the days of wild. Thanks for listening. Peace and be wild. Cat in the background.